Welcome back to the Minute Women podcast. My name is Grace. And I'm Linnea. And, and we're, we're like, coming... oh, <laughs> we're just interrupting each other because we're not used to doing it via distance anymore. I know. <laughs> we're recording via distance and it's sad and it's sucky and it's boo. I don't like yeah. it. But um, it's okay because, you know, there's a global pandemic and we're all doing our part to not spread uh, COVID-19. Uh, and not contract it either. Uh, that's that's the goal. You know, we all want to spend Christmas, the great. holidays with our families. So, uh, yeah, just trying to follow the rules set out by our premier. Yeah, Mr. McNeil. Yep, and uh, <laughs> Dr. Strang, that guy. But I mean, trying to stay festive. You went and got your Christmas tree yesterday. With my fam jam, yep. We went that's on exciting. a little Christmas tree hunt. It was it was very wholesome. It's Aww. sweet. Go to this called Kevin's U Cut, and I recommend it to everyone. I love when it's super vague. Like (laughs) everybody knows him. Oh, he's there. You get to talk to Kevin. (laughs) Hi, I'm Kevin. (laughs) Kevin's mom. Kevin's mom knits them all Christmas tree hats, so all the workers have hats that are shaped like Christmas trees. Uh, On a normal year, it's a great time. You go in; it's so organized. Um, So when there's not a pandemic. You go in, you get your tags when you're driving in for how many trees you're going to have. You go to the lot, you cut your tree, you drag it to the road, you put your tag on it. They get it, bail it, sit it by your car um, while you are taken on a horse and like hay bale ride to hot chocolate and cookies. So this year there's no like hay bale ride or like with the horse and buggy and stuff and uh yeah because just like covid and everything but there was still hot chocolate so it was all done very social distance very organized um so yeah it was still it was still a super fun time and uh yeah we went with uh another family that we've gone with for the last three years and so the kiddos had a great time oh that's cute i feel like lunenburg is such a christmas town like it does oh. Christmas, right? Like Halifax is not Gilmore very Christmassy. Girls, it's like Stars Hollow. Like if you've watched Gilmore Girls, Lunenburg <laughs> is. When I told my aunt that I was like going back to Lunenburg for Christmas, she was like, "Oh, have such a nice time in Stars Hollow. Like enjoy your trip." <laughs> um, but yeah, so getting into the festive spirit, um, what is our episode today? So for this week, we are doing La Bolduc Heritage Minute. Do you remember that one? I don't know. So that's the French Canadian singer heritage minute. That is just always how I remembered it. It's this like radio producer and it's this woman and her like younger friend, but like she's also uh, like a young woman and they walk into this like radio studio and it's her singing these songs and the heritage minute is weird. I don't think it effectively conveys at all why this woman is literally. (laughs) I don't think I've ever seen this heritage minute. This might be the really clearly. This must be the first one I've never seen. Like, (laughs) should we pause and watch it? Yeah, let's pause. Let's, let's pause, pause and watch. And I'm going to watch. Okay, okay, okay. So I have definitely seen that Heritage <laughs> Minute. Um, if you had mentioned that it was the very heavy-chested lady who, like, plays music for all the sad town workers to hear. Um, I just wanted to be respectful of La Bolduc. Yeah, yeah. No, I remember that. So, <laughs> so that's her, like, stage name. Yeah, that's kind of like what she winds up being uh, called. It's her it's her married last name. Um, Mary Travers, as she is born, but she marries a bulldog and that becomes her last name. But yeah, yeah, she's I think the Heritage Minute doesn't do a great job of conveying why she's significant. And I think definitely relative to some other figures, she's not like. I wouldn't rank her so high as some no. others in terms of importance to Canada. That being said, after doing the research for this, I'm like, oh, I kind of like, I get it. She's she's actually a very okay. interesting person. And the music that she records and she performs is very unique and okay. really wasn't prevalent in especially recordings, but wouldn't even be that prevalent in urban centers in Quebec. So right. she's kind of like this like cultural milestone for Quebec folk music um okay and yeah it's during like the peak of the depression so she's also like a woman who's like 
has this career as a, a singer. She goes from never performing to having a full like recording after she like gets married and after she becomes a mother. So she's also That's, breaking yeah. a lot of like gender barriers for her time. She's kind of a cool lady. She's a cool lady. Yeah, because she doesn't cool look young in that Heritage Minute. They're not portraying Ooh. her as young. Her daughter looks about like 16, 17. Yeah, she has a lot of kids young, as as we'll get into. <laughs> okay, a lot of kids. This is quite a few kids at a, at a young age, which, you know, the depression, as we've learned, great time to have a lot of kids. Great time to make a lot of babies. <laughs> yeah. So Mary Rose Ann Travers was born into subsistence level poverty in the tiny Atlantic fishing village of Newport, Quebec in Canada's Gaspé region. So very rural Quebec. She was one of six children born to Lawrence Travers, who was an Anglophone of Irish heritage and Adeline Sear, who was a French Canadian woman. So also for anyone who's not French and anyone who's not from Canada, it was embarrassingly recent that I found out that Gas Bay was not Gas Bay, like G A S B A Y. Yeah, it was. It was actually quite recent in my life. I'm um, not going to tell anyone how recent, but uh, <laughs> we won't get into it. But uh, but it's it's Gas Bay, like you gasp. <laughs> but I I like totally I totally know where you're coming from because but I always thought because I'd never seen it it's like water. one of those words yeah and it's so I just thought it was a bay because it's just like in Quebec like on the water I just thought it was gas bay like and for certain there are people who do just say gas bay yeah like there are just people who say that so you who don't would... pronounce it properly so I yeah <laughs> yeah it's like one of those words that I just heard it that I didn't know how it was written like uh oh I remember the worst word that that ever happened to was paradigm because I was reading it aloud in something I never read before. Oh no. Because when you read paradigm aloud, it's paradigmy. <laughs> they they get you with that G. <laughs> and I was like, what the hell is this word? Um, but anyway, this is new ex- and exciting. <laughs> anyway. So for those yeah. of you who didn't know, it's Gaspé. Yeah. Let us know in comments on Instagram or something. If yeah, this is I'll a glass a shattering moment for you and you're gas learning bay it's gas or pay. Gas pay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do a poll. Yeah. We'll sign a petition. We'll uh, send it over to Quebec. I'll be like, no, you're wrong. It's gas yeah. pay now. <laughs> gas pay forever. Forever. <laughs> That'll be the final straw. Quebec will just leave. They'll be like, this, this, this female podcast <laughs> made a poll. Yeah. We're done These with Canada. Ladies. We're done. We're done. <laughs> We're finally seceding. Yeah. We're going to dig a massive trench on <laughs> both borders and we're out. Yeah. Um, All right. So so Mary, she has five siblings, but then there's also six other children in the house from her father's previous marriage. So his first marriage. So yeah. that means there's like 12 kids in and around. A lot of mouths to feed. A lot of mouths to feed in rural Quebec. So Mary and her 11 siblings, they spoke English at home. Uh, but they did speak French fluently because of their mother and also because of basically everyone else in the region speaks French and they speak with a very thick regional dialect. Okay. So like if you were to listen to them speak, you'd be like, oh, they're from Gaspé. They are not yeah. from wherever else. Yeah. Mary briefly attended school, uh, okay. learning to read <laughs> and write in French. And then she oh. studied her Catholic catechisms. However, the strong, tall girl was needed to help her father hunt and cut wood and to help her mother with household tasks. So she was like, sought after. She she was highly recruited uh, <laughs> by the woodcutters and hunters <laughs> of the region. Well, I do love about, that. She was heavy chested. She was a solid lady. She She's built for sure. I like the idea that her father sits her down. It's like, listen, Mary, you're built like a linebacker. <laughs> We're going to need you in some different departments. School um, is not for you. School is not for you. She's like, Cut great. Wood. I love that, dad. Get Done. me out. Yeah. So her life, like that of most girls of her station, really just re- revolved around the family and the home. The isolated villagers of Newport rarely traveled, and they didn't really have much knowledge of life outside their community. Not in like an ignorant way, but... You know, it's like newspapers don't always need reach to. those areas. Yeah. yeah, and it doesn't need to, exactly. So what year is this? What year was she born? Oh, Have good you question. I did not. 
So she was born in 1894. Um, And by the time that she's like a teenager, it would have been like turn of the century and 1910s. Um, So pretty early on. Uh, Lawrence, so Mary's dad, was her first and only music instructor. So he taught her to play a lot of traditional Quebec folk instruments and traditional Irish instruments. When they and were in the woods, cutting trees, perhaps. Absolutely. Because <laughs> you get bored. You're waiting for those rabbits. You're waiting to snare them. And you just got to break out, you know, the You got to sing. <laughs> <laughs> Which is listed in her repertoire. So no, she, she can play it. fiddle, Shut up. accordion, harmonica, spoons, and the uh. Jew's harp. Which I don't know if that's appropriate to call that instrument anymore. But it's that's probably what it's not. As. What is it? What is it? What is a Jew's harp? <laughs> I think it's like and I do a like, little Google. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's these like it's this metal thingy that you put in your mouth. It's also called, it's called thing, a Jaws harp. The first thing that comes up is Jew's harp for sale. <laughs> well. Yeah, it it it's really tiny. It looks kind of like a different version of a harmonica. Oh, okay. Yeah, I can show you a picture. Our listeners can't see it. But. Yeah, yeah, it's like these like weird yeah. prong. Google things. it. It's kind of weird looking, but uh, weird but yeah, looking. we're it, gonna it call it a, a Jaws harp from now on because that yeah. is an alternative name. <laughs> Good. Okay. <laughs> So they played a lot of traditional folk tunes in the house, um, a lot of dances like jigs, and they were all performed by memory and by ear since no one in the family could read music. Okay. Which is so impressive. Like I cannot, I, I uh, learned music through learning to read music and then yeah, same. Instrument. the amount of like brain space that would have to go towards memorizing songs. Playing by ear is so cool to me. It's so cool. So cool. Yeah. yeah, my piano teacher could play by ear and it's just like but she she said like she's like I can't teach you to play by ear really. Like I yeah. could, but you'll never know it the way cuz she's like I hear a note and I know the note. Like yeah. I can point to it on the piano. I could just never do that. I can yeah. hear like I can generally know like how many notes are in between those two notes being played. Right, right, right. Or if it goes like up or down or the same yeah, like Yeah. Yeah. Which is interesting talking to like my dad who never played music growing up. Yeah. Like he he can't hear when a note is higher or lower than another. That's like my mom. My mom has no idea. Yeah, she's or he's like, like to, I know they're different. Yeah. Or to <laughs> pick like, up like instruments in a piece. Like yeah. even like a song on the radio, I'll be like, oh, like, did you hear that like saxophone that was in there? My mom's like, it's just a, a song. It's just a song. <laughs> it's just a song. <laughs> this isn't a, a this isn't a quiz or a test. Leave me alone. <laughs> uh, okay, so she's she's in the woods. She's learning to play all these instruments. She's having yes. jigs at her house. Yes, this is. She's Mary. got the bug. She's got the bu- she's got the she's bug. got the bug. <laughs> um. So yeah, she's like collecting all of these songs, um, and. The blend of her father's Irish traditions and her mother's French-Canadian traditions creates this very distinctive style that she becomes known for later on. Okay. By the spring of 1908, Mary was playing accordion in the evenings at the lumberjack camp where she cooked for her father and the <laughs> other woodcutters. she was. And where entertainment consisted of folk tunes and dances that the men performed themselves. So, nice. you know, they're not paying for entertainment. <laughs> But, you know, just go out to the lumberjack camp every night and play your tunes. To help ease the burden of feeding the 12 Traverse children, each of Mary's siblings left home quite early. So in their early teens, they're moving out. Um, So in 1908, when Mary turned just 13, her and her half-sister, Mary Ann, who was a maid in Montreal, arranged for Mary to join her. So she's wow. only 13 years old and she's moving away from home. And, and she's her moving sister's to Montreal. name is Marianne. <laughs> right? It's like, what the hell? <laughs> but um, that is a thing. Like, I know that I, like, I know back home anyways, in a lot of French Canadian households, all the kids have the same middle name. I know it's very Catholic. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if, like, I know it's in like Shetty Camp, like in like rural Acadian communities, but all of the girls like middle names are Marie. 
and yeah, all I of know the that's like middle names super, are Joseph. <laughs> that's super Catholic, but um, so she's like ready for her like first big adventure. Uh, it was her first experience of independence. It was her first time really outside of Newport, and it's the first time she'd ever traveled. Like, and she's excited for fun. Yeah. So her first train journey took her out of the rural village of 1,500 people to Montreal, which at the time had 350,000 people. Mary Travers began to work as a domestic servant in the house of Dr. Lesage for $15 a month plus room and board. I feel like that's actually pretty decent at that time. I think it's all right, given the fact that she doesn't have to pay. Yeah, like your room for and your food in her room. You can uh, go see a movie for twenty five cents. I mean, <laughs> I feel like that's pretty legit. <laughs> I think that just shows you the state of like millennials' like view on life. You're like, you get a house, I'll work for nothing. <laughs> like, <laughs> you have a place to live and food. food? <laughs> It's like signing me up, and you'll let me use your Netflix account. Holy <laughs> smokes! Whoa, whoa, whoa! Did you just say Amazon Prime too? <laughs> and I don't need a university degree. Oh, what? <laughs> or three university degrees? Um. So she she works this job for a couple of years, uh, but then she leaves to work a better job in a textile factory. Uh, oh. By better job, it just means that it pays $15 a week instead of $15 a month. Okay. Uh, but she has to work 11 hours a day, five and a half days a week. Oh, that's brutal. <laughs> Mary followed the pattern for a girl of her time uh, when she married when she was just about 20 years old. Okay. His name was Edward Balduck, and they married on August 17th, 1914, and then she quickly found herself pregnant thereafter. Yep, as one does in the <laughs> 1920s. <laughs> and basically for the next decade, she will perperpetually be pregnant. No. Yeah. What <laughs> Just a like no breaks, no days oh, off. <laughs> God. How many kids does she pop out? Well, here's the thing. She's constantly pregnant, but it's also sad because, like, they don't all live. Oh, no. So her first pregnancy ends in stillbirth in 1915. Oh, no. Then Denise was born in July 1916. She's the girl in the, the Heritage Minute with Good, Mary. Okay. Um, Jeanette was born in July 1917. Roger in August of 1918. Marie Adelaide Yvette Lucienne in 1919. Uh, wait, 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 we go from Roger <laughs> to who? Marie Adele Yvette Lucienne. Okay. All hyphenated. It's a very oh, long God. name. No. <laughs> they just like, they just have like an acronym for her name, I think. Like yeah. Male. They call her male. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, Um, and then after her. And then after that, there's a bit of a break. We we take, we take it off season. Uh, And Raelle Arsene Edouard was born in 1922. And then Ferdinand Marie Angers in 1925. Ferdinand's a girl? Yes. Interesting. I've never seen it as a girl's name, but... Maybe it was for the Archduke. Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> the shot heard around the world. <laughs> they should make a heritage minute about that. Yeah. Just start making them about anything. Doesn't have to be Canadian anymore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh. So Edward's factory job did not pay much and his salary seemed less with each additional mouth to feed. <laughs> yeah. So Mary had ceased working in the factory when she got married, but she sewed piecework at home to contribute to the family income. Still, their poverty was no different from that she had known in Newport. So for her, she's like pretty used to living in, in poverty. Poverty. So she's like, ah, whatever. Okay. <laughs> Look I how have... few children I have. <laughs> <laughs> I have a sidebar. Hilarious I'm so ready. story. <laughs> Because this just happened this week. Oh my gosh. So we've recently, my family found out that my, my cousin is expecting, uh, he and his, his girlfriend, 
Um, but it wasn't super planned. And so I was talking okay. to my, I was talking to my very candid, very, um, brash, uh, grandmother, uh, about this. I love when Linnea's grandmother makes appearances on oh, the Minute Women podcast. And so, and so we're just chatting about this and the subject of this, you know, upcoming great grandchild gets brought up and my grandmother is saying how like, Oh, you know, if only they had used proper, if only like the girlfriend had used proper birth control. And I was like, or, you know, they could have used a condom. My grandmother goes, my grandmother says, (laughs) my grandmother says, (laughs) if he's anything like your grandfather, he would never use a condom. She said, your grandfather, (laughs) she's telling me my grandfather (laughs) and she's like you're I had to go to Dr. Jollymore down down at the at the doctor's office to to get put on birth control because your grandfather didn't like how condoms felt and I was like thanks Dana I didn't didn't need to (laughs) I didn't I didn't ask for this (laughs) I didn't I was like oh well now that we've discussed how not to have babies (laughs) Where we all came from, you know. Um, you know. <laughs> um, okay, so Mary's done having babies now. Uh, so those are all of her children. Yeah, okay. she's she's you know, hand thrown in the towel. Okay, <laughs> she's Catholic enough. She's 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 fulfilled her duties. Yeah, now she's like quilting at home to help Aww. with the income. So does, um, and singing, perhaps. Well, well. So, so the Bulldogs, they lived like a lot of other urban poor in the early 20th century, and they were pretty used to hardship and inadequate living conditions. There was very little little medical attention and communicable disease like scarlet fever was really a problem in big urban centers. Yeah. Um, in the early 1900s, one in every four Canadian children was expected to die before adulthood, <gasps> oh, which is God. like... What Not is that four? long ago? Yeah, like 25% of kids. What? Yeah. My God, that's so awful. Sad. And so for Mary, like she's not spared from that kind of hardship. Her baby Roger died at only 10 months. Um, oh. And Mary was pregnant again at that time. With so the like, girl with all the names. <laughs> with the girl with all the names. Yeah. Um, Jeanette also died before she was two years old. So I think only two of her children end up actually living into like their later adulthood. Oh, that's not nice. No, it's not happy. No. So that's very sad. Yeah. It's, and and I think it adds something because if you do go listen to her music, her music is just very like hokey and like hopeful and yeah, it's it's not even like grand or hopeful, really. No. It's more just like the funny things in everyday life, which huh. is very, I think, sweet and uplifting. Yeah, it's and what people would want. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like Hallmark music, it almost, yeah. but like it means more when it comes from a place like that. I think. Right. So Edward decided that he's gonna leave factory life, and he becomes a plumber. Um, okay. But he f- had a lot of difficulty finding employment. In 1921, the Bulldogs left Montreal altogether for Springfield, Massachusetts, where they joined oh, wow. Edward's sister. Um, okay. And there's like a really big uh, out-migration of French Canadians to like the Northeastern United States during this time. So okay. there were 10,000 other French Canadians to the place that they were moving. Um, oh, weird. Yeah, but Edward still failed to find work. And so they returned back to Montreal the following year. Then they have another baby in 1922. So that that would have been the girl with a lot of names, I think. Or no, that's Rail Arsene. Um, And then they have another daughter three years later. Um, So, yeah, that's what it's sorry. So that's Frederick or um, Ferdinand. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. (laughs) So. Of Mary's, like, total, she has 12 or 13 pregnancies. Only wow. four of her children survived to adulthood. Wow. Which is, like... Oh. <sighs> that's awful. Very sad. But the Bulldog family was relatively happy. So... Okay. 
<laughs> Despite all of this, uh, to amuse their friends and children, Mary would often play traditional jigs, reels, and lullabies on violin or harmonica. Um, okay. The Balducks entertained friends from the Gaspé region when they were in, the, in town, um, and they would often kind of have like living room parties where everyone would come and they'd all sing and you know the right, thing right. they do the thing they do the they do the thing they, they have do the, the thing <laughs> yeah many of their friends were amateur folk musicians who performed at the Monument National with Conrad Ooh. Gautier's troupe the Vies du Bon Vieux Temps so they jam they have little they jam. jam sessions they jam for like a live audience on a regular Ooh. they have a regular gig with their wow they're a big deal big deal big wheels down at the cracker factory yeah um so their troop in english it means an evening with the good old days oh it's kind of (laughs) cute it's kind of charming you know so these contacts led to mary being discovered when she was asked to fill in for one of their friends so one of their friends is like sick and can't play violin that night so mary is like oh i can do it and she goes down she plays at the monument national which is like the venue with edward out of work she was happy to have the opportunity to make a few dollars for like an evening and of doing something she liked too uh, like it's not yeah working at the factory an extra evening no yeah this is like way more fun and she's hanging out with her friends like yeah yeah and she was even more ecstatic when Gautier was like hey you gotta come back like you should do this all the time we like you we like you Mary (laughs) by 1928 she was a regular accompanist for the troop singers um and she would often play violin or she would play the jaws harp And then later, she was featured as an instrumentalist and a comic actress. Ooh. So I think it's very, like, vaudeville kind of. like. Yeah, it's sounding very vaudeville. (laughs) (laughs) The wife and mother, who had once performed only in her living room, soon was becoming accustomed to performing for audiences of hundreds of people. That's so cool. She's so cool. And I Go love girl, get it. Because she's also not old. She's like 30, I think. It's also like this point. just breaking tradition though. Like, you know, she's not at home with all little babes. Like no. she's out like doing her thing. It's it sounds like I don't know. Thus far, it sounds like her husband's pretty cool. I think he's pretty chill for the most yeah. part. And it's clearly it's hard. Like he has to go and yeah. he can't get any work. And like it, it's hard, but it's like that's your measure of like how successful a father you are is if you can make money yeah. for your family. Oh, that's hard. And like he can't. And so anyways, Mary is helping out and she gets to do it Good. in kind of like a fun So she's way. getting paid for this too now? Yeah. So she makes like a salary okay. for doing the shows. Oh, that's nice. Okay. So Mary developed confidence as a performer, even in unfamiliar situations like her first broadcast with the Monument National Orchestra from the radio station CKAC. Very cool. She's a radio star now. A radio starlet. Yeah. Tearing up the the FM Sound waves. Waves. (laughs) Other radio stuff. One night, she ventured to sing a short folk tune, and the audience demanded several encores. Uh, Folk singer Oliva Lejare recommended her to the compo company's Romeo Baudry, um, who was in charge of French language recordings released on uh, on the Star label. So... They're like, hey, if you need someone, if you need to like push some records, Mary yeah. would be great. You should like bring her in. Um, Baudry promptly offered her a recording contract for four 78 RPM discs at $25 per side. That's so cool. Which also is not a lot of money, but no, <laughs> I think that means that she's going to make. It, it would be like $100, I guess, or no. Yeah. 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 Four, four. Two discs, four sides, $200. $100. Math's hard. We're not going to, we this won't get bogged down on this. Podcast. <laughs> not this hard. is we, not a math podcast. Uh. <laughs> That's my mother asked me the other day. There was this like math question that one of her friends posted. Who's a math teacher? My mom's like, what's the answer? Like, she's like, quick, what's the answer? And I like said the answer and I was, I was 10 off, but 
then this little five-year-old, she's like, watch this. And the woman's five-year-old like does it in like a second. And I was like, thank you, mom. Thank you for making me feel like crap. Well, and then I was like, where's Grace to like yell at my mom? This is not a math podcast. (laughs) But it's also like when you, when you work your brain at math all the time, like a, like a child does in school. You're better at math. Like I don't do math. I had math just woken up. Okay, like I was not expecting this. <laughs> like this just this just came out of nowhere. It was very left field, and then I feel stupid. So I just imagine you laying in bed and your mother barging <laughs> into the room, like, "Quick, Linnea! Literally, what what's happened? the answer to this math question? <laughs> if you don't answer it, your whole family dies." It's well, like, whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> she didn't say that, but the rest of it's pretty accurate. <laughs> bombarding you with math first thing in the morning it's not kind it's (laughs) It's not not how i like to wake up (laughs) uh okay so she's making some money yeah so she has a recording contract now some music and this was like it was like the timing was right for as she would now kind of be known in the media as madame balduk so this is this is like her persona um, and she kind of starts to establish herself as a professional singer songwriter. Okay. She would have been aware that show business was one of the few arenas where women could earn the same amount of money, if not more than, than male men. counterparts. Um, yeah. when she was working in factory jobs, women routinely get paid less than men, um, yeah. doing the same amount of work and doing the same job, or they just don't even have access to the higher paying jobs. Right. So Madame Balduc's first recording for Star in April of 1929 was the French folk song Ya Long Tom Que Je Couche Par Terre. Uh, I've been sleeping on the floor a long time. <laughs> oh, it's the relatable French. content uh, for many of us. <laughs> Oh, I um, love that. I've been sleeping on the floor a long time. I've been sleeping on the sleeping floor a long time. on the floor a really long time. Yeah. Like. <laughs> it's probably not that far off. Um, <laughs> and an instrumental reel is like the other mm. side. With these traditional selections, she makes her genre very clear. So okay. today, those kinds of recordings are actually like really important because they're some of the few authentic Quebec folk music recordings that exist. Yeah. Uh, and she was quite popular and prolific. So we have a lot of those records still, awesome. um, even though they were actually quite like they were commercial failures. Like the oh, like really? her folk, like very traditional folk music recordings were not yeah. as popular. Um, okay. So she does this and then, but she, so she's like, this is what I want to do. And they're commercial failures, but she still needs to fulfill her contract. So she goes home and from like her kitchen table, she writes a song. Like, so she has these tunes that she knows and then she, that don't have lyrics to them. And so then she comes up with these like little poems that she can sing. Um, And her first like critical or not, well, not critical success, but her first commercial success is a song called La Cuisinière or The Cook. And then on the other side of that record was a song called Johnny Montferlo, uh, which she used uh, an English folk song as the basis for. And these recordings were released around Christmas time and they became like huge bestsellers and it earned her family $450, which was like, whoa, that's better than $15 a month. Yeah. And so from this point on, and I, it's, I feel like it's something that's still quite Quebecois. Like yeah. Quebec comedy, you might agree, is very weird. So like, weird. And it's not so just, weird. it's Quebec specifically. It's not just like all French. It's no, it's like, like, there's a lot of uh, sayings and expressions yeah. like, in French, but only in Quebec that just yeah. like, don't translate to English at all. Like it's like, it, it's so weird. <laughs> It's very bizarre. And so she writes these comedy songs like The Cook that are like like the funniest thing Quebec has ever heard of. <laughs> They're so finally, popular. Finally, the people of Quebec laughed. Yeah. And on that day, they Quebec laughed. laughed. <laughs> so her process um, for writing these songs was pretty simple. She would literally just sit at her kitchen table when she like had a moment 
away from being a mom. Um, She would hum a tune because she doesn't know how to write music. So she just like hums the tune that she knows. And then she would like work out some sort of like little things she could do on the fiddle that could accompany it and then come up with very simple rhyming scheme poems. So they're usually just like couplets that she would then dictate to her daughter, Denise. So Denise is really important because not only can she not like read or write musical notation, I don't think she like writes particularly well either. Yeah. Yeah. So then she memorizes the melodies and then she would go and record them in the studio. So cool. It's so like, what? (laughs) She just doesn't like, she literally has all these barriers and she's just like, nah, like I'm good. And it's almost like figure it out. Yeah, and it's like it's almost like she has all these barriers and she doesn't even know that they exist. She she's like, well, how them. does anyone else write a song ever? Yeah. This is how like, music is done. <laughs> I just this is just how I do it. Yeah. And I love that no one's like, hey, you gotta learn how to read music. They're like, yeah, nah, she's good. She's like fine. she's got it. Don't don't mess with it. <laughs> we don't stir this pot. Like yeah, this is, let her this be. is fine. <laughs> So building on the success of these recordings and an offer from Romeo Beaudry to record a double-sided 78 RPM disc every month, um, Madame Balduck turned out numerous songs following the same successful formula. That's so So now, yeah, she's like putting out two songs every month, which is a lot. That's insane. She's prolific. And she's making money. Making bank. Yeah. Yeah. She adapted existing folk songs or popular tunes for the music and added her own comic words uh, in realistic working class French slang. She described characters and events with which her listeners, often poor French Canadians with traditional family values, could identify. Her songs had lively rhythms and a happy tone and most featured comic vignettes and humorous working class characters. A few were traditional instrumentals, um, so like her very early recordings, but for the most part, she stuck with these kind of like comedy songs. Yeah. To distinguish her recordings from those of other folk musicians, Madame Balduck began to add sung refrains built of vocables or nonsense syllables called French. uh, In French, they're called turtlutes. Turtlutes. Okay. Um, and uh in English we call that mouth music, I guess. So I think it's literally just like when you go do 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 okay. Like it's okay. not it's not actual words, but you're like creating a tune. <laughs> okay. Um <laughs> yeah, mouth music. Mouth music, which was sung for dancers when no fiddle was available, was a tradition with her father and their Irish and Scottish neighbors in Gaspé. Uh, okay. but it wasn't very prominent in a lot of French folk music. Interesting. So I love that, like, they go to these lumberjack camps, and if no one can play fiddle, they're like, well, we're still going to fucking dance. She's like, so someone's got to go up there. Literally. They're like, that's so funny. It's like, this is Why sing words when you can just sing sounds? Who needs language when you can just Wait, 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 wait. Just make the noise. <laughs> oh my God. God. Hire this man. Genius. Every good song needs just na 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 na's, you know? Yeah. So creating two songs a month was a bit of a challenge for Madame Balduck. Um, for fresh material, she turned to current events, simultaneously discovering an opportunity to comment on the unsatisfactory social conditions that, quote, little people like the Balducks endured. Yeah. Madame Balduck's first public appearance as a headliner was at a costume ball at La Chute, Quebec, in November of 1930. The audience reception surpassed her wildest dreams, and she conceived the idea for a show that focused all on her songs so she's like she's like oh my gosh people like want to see me as the headliner me i could do this all the time oh (laughs) bless her little heart i know so she accepts an offer to be the main act for a burlesque company i don't think burlesque means the same thing then as it does now i feel like it's just like a campy show 
maybe. They they never get naked in burlesque. No, they just kind of like dance around. Yeah, there's some tassels, I think. <laughs> there's some tassels. <laughs> so she she begins like she has like a tour now. Um okay. and they begin in March of 1931. This led to an offer from Juliette Darget, the comic known as Carolyn, uh, for a three-month tour of Quebec. So Whoa. now she's like coupling up with another comedic singer. Lady. Girl power. Girl power, yeah. I love that. Get it, ladies. <laughs> Get it. So Mary was a very practical woman, and she knew the value of an opportunity like this. Her husband was still unable to provide for their family, and the public wanted to see and hear the musician they began to refer to as La Balduc. Um, and today, that's kind of her title, is La Balduc, which is usually interpreted as a compliment, but at the time, fans and critics would have considered this a reference to her independent character, and that would not have been a compliment. Oh, okay. So they're, like, highlighting the fact that she's married, and she's, like, going outside the home and, like, doing this stuff. So so Mary considers this term to be quite derogatory. So she would never refer to herself as La Balduc. She preferred um, Madame Balduc or, like... okay. Or Mary, <laughs> or, her name. Or you know her name. Um, and she actually, she wrote a reply song. So she wrote like a, a beef song called La Chanson nice. du Bavard. <laughs> that nice. addresses this. Uh, <laughs> addressing her haters. The, or- the, the original clapback. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Mary did not let her critics, uh, false modesty or traditional gender roles stop her from doing what she loved and doing what she needed to do to support her family though um just as she had seen the men in her hometown in Gaspé do Mary set out to work in order to support her family which is the other thing is like she's very used to this concept of like this kind of economy where you leave the home and you right to support for your family yeah to provide for them so Madame Balduc and Carolyn uh plan and organize their tour and engage in a few uh, different performances and had different performers accompany them along the way. So mm. cool. I know. <laughs> it's like, and I just like, I do love that this is something that she comes into later in her life. Yeah. Like, it's not like she was like a performer and then she got married and she kind of like put that on the back burner and then she comes back to it later on. She's like, it's purely something that she develops as an adult woman. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's just something that I feel like we should always like, keep in mind yeah just keep growing yeah it's like yeah your life has just begun doesn't matter yeah i want to i want a poster of mary on my wall (laughs) she's cool she's cool um mary developed a formula that she kept with her throughout all the tours throughout her career uh this would be herself as the headliner, and then she would have a piano player as an accompanist and then comedians so she's the only singer but I like that though. Like she likes to keep yeah. it light, keep it fun. Yeah, it feels very much like a variety show. Yeah. Like there's lots of different things. Which is on. very vaudeville. Like we were very saying vaudeville. earlier, that it's very much got that vibe. Yeah. And I, I think it's very like traditional rural shows. Like I know back home we have um for a long time there was the uh if I can remember the name of it, but it, it's like like exactly like a, a variety almost vaudeville show that has a lot of sketch comedy and then traditional music um it's It's kind of a night of entertainment well like a night of the good old days or good old times yeah yeah exactly beginning yeah (laughs) so their little troupe starts out in hall quebec and they perform there for a week and then they travel around west quebec and montreal and then they end in sept ill and a few of these concerts were held in like theaters but for the most mm-hmm. part they're just performing at like catholic parish halls and in, in so church classic. basements <laughs> so classic i love that so mary had pretty good yeah that's fair like church if you if you want to hear good if you want to sound good go go to a church go to a church <laughs> church if you want to sound educated and literate don't listen to the last sentence i just said <laughs> That's the dumbest thing I've ever said in my life. If you want to hear good, go to a church. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. 
1932, Mary decides that she's going to have her own troupe as the headliner, like the the only headliner. Yes, girl. Um, and she models this troupe off the other ones that she's performed with. She calls it La Troupe du Bon Vieux Temps, uh, ah. the good old times troupe. So a reference yeah. to her earlier gig. Um, she gets a director and they plan this tour through Quebec and New England. And so through the early to mid 1930s, Mary alternated her time between concert tours and then like home time where she's at home with the family. With her kiddos. Yeah. As the 1930s wore on, La Bulldog's new records kept to the traditional Irish-French folk sound, resisting popular styles such as the sentimental ballads of Tin Pan Alley and mm. the new sounds of jazz. So she's yeah. like, hell no. There will be no. no jazz in this house. No swing beats <laughs> on this stage. Nope. Keep that to yourself. Yes. This is a family of reels and jigs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Spoons, goddammit. Spoons, goddammit. <laughs> Many listeners no longer wanted songs that reminded them of the hard times. Bullduck's recordings were not selling as well as a result, but she still earned a pretty steady income through doing concerts. Very cool. She therefore continued to tour, although she felt the separation from her children and there were increasing conflicts with her husband due to their switch in kind of gender roles almost. kind of roles yeah yeah so that. so touring causes a lot of tension in her life but it is the way she makes the most money right by it's 19- a double-edged sword yeah, yeah exactly by 1936 mary was so successful that she was able to hire a nanny to look after the children while she was okay. away on tour she had already provided many luxuries that before her career were just like never going to be attainable for the family. So yeah. she got them a new car in 1931 Ooh, too, like during the depression. Um, got them a cabinet model radio. So like those oh, massive radios. So they could hear her. Yeah. And eventually they bought their own house instead of renting an apartment in Montreal. Cool. When she was at home, however, she very much prided herself on being like, a mother and a wife who would a be A doting home. mother. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So like the nanny is out when she comes home. Like peace, Brenda. None of that. Yeah. Whatever her name is. I don't know. Her name was definitely Brenda. It's definitely Brenda now. Definitely Brenda. So Mary's concert career abruptly ended after a serious traffic accident in June of 1937. Her troupe had performed in Riviere de Luc, Quebec, and their car, driven by their tour director, collided with another vehicle. Baldock was seriously injured with oh, a no. broken leg, a broken no, nose, and a no. concussion. Things were going so well. I, I thought this was going to just continue. Mm, no. Nope. <laughs> the podcast always gets sad. <sighs> All Things right, are I'm never ready. good forever. <laughs> I'm ready. Life lessons from Grace. Life lessons. Things are never going to be great always. <laughs> <laughs> um, so she's taken to hospital in Rominsky. Um, or Ramuski. Ramuski. Yeah. Ramuski. My brother almost had to live there. God. That was a that was a scary time when he thought he was gonna have to move to Ramuski. That sounds awful. <laughs> but while she's in hospital, the doctors discover that she has a cancerous tumor. What? Yeah. No. So from that point on, poor health and frequent radiation treatments at Montreal's Radium Institute limited her musical activities. Oh no. I know. That's so it's sad. just kind of like it's kind of like the car accident like saved or extended her life because they found I the suppose, cancer yeah. sooner than they would have otherwise, but she never really gets over the cancer either. So right. she's just constantly having to go for radiation treatments now. Yeah. Following the collision, Mary sued the tour director after her insurance company refused to cover the costs of the accident. Okay. She told the court she was unable to compose songs because of memory loss and her inability to concentrate, which was coming from the concussion, right. which is the other really sad thing is that she can't read music. So because of the concussion, she can't even right. like write or play because oh. she doesn't remember the tunes anymore. That's so sad. It's just like so heartbreaking. Yeah. Alarmingly, where she had always played from memory, she would now mix up song lyrics during performances. Like she would just oh, like, what a sin! No, she like couldn't concentrate. Oh. 
The lawsuit continued through 1938, but did not go well for Mary due to her habit of not depositing her earnings in the bank. Okay. She also like, she gets paid in cash all the time or she gets paid with a check. Yeah. And so this meant that she couldn't prove in court what she was earning prior to the accident. Right. So she doesn't get any money from the lawsuit because she doesn't have like a salary per se. And she doesn't deposit (sighs) her money. She like keeps the cash at home. That's so sad. I know. Which is also just one of those, like, you grow up in a rural community where there probably isn't even a bank in your town. Like, that's just the way things are. It's just, like, systemic. Like, it's just how you're, like, brought up and raised and what you do. Yeah. And it's, it's, yeah, it's, like, it's it's a good way to describe it because it's not necessarily bad. No. It's not, like, this inherent bad decision you're making but you're now in new circumstances where those decisions aren't going to benefit you in the long run right but you also don't understand why you would need to change like yeah exactly what she knows yeah exactly yeah so mary made no stage appearances for a full year after the accident wow um, until the summer of 1938 and then she only did any shows in and around Montreal. Like she's not touring. Yeah, anymore. she's not traveling. Yeah. She rallied sufficiently to take part in a radio broadcast in January 1939. Oh, cool. Um, and then so she people made... still want to hear her. She yeah. still has fans. Yeah, she's definitely still popular. Yeah. But she just can't. I just don't think she's physically capable. Right. Or especially with the radiation treatments, I don't know how far outside Montreal she could even go. Like, I don't know how often she would have to be in Montreal to get those treatments. Yeah. Um, And at the beginning of 1939, she made her two final recordings. Um, One was about the accident. Like she wrote a song about the accident. Um, Which isn't her typical style. Yeah. Yeah. She usually tries to be happy. Yeah, and very much like it's everything that's happening to her. Yeah. Like that's what she writes about. So oh, that's hard. Um that year the courts awarded her partial payment of fifteen hundred dollars. So that's all she gets from the lawsuit. Wow. Um and in nineteen forty one, at the age of forty six, Mary succumbed to the cancer that they had found after oh. the accident. Grace, this I was know. going so well. It's going so well, but and now cancer <laughs> and Mary's dead. And Mary's dead at only forty-six. She was really young. Oh, that's so sad. But you know, she has quite a they legacy. Didn't say any of this in the Heritage Minute. They do not. That's the other thing. Like, I just don't think that Heritage Minute does a good job of like conveying why she's no. interesting. It's stupid. It's definitely one that I was like, this is a weird this. This, it, for a long time, I had categorized as like, oh, this is Quebec being very interested in things happening in Quebec. Like, yeah. but I get it. Like, I get why they like, like, why she's she significant to Canada's arts and culture. Justice for Mary. Justice for Mary. Um, so she inspired many influential Quebec musicians. Uh, today, her songs continue to be studied as the unofficial chronicle of French Canadian life during the Great Depression. So cool. Mary's life and music has been featured in numerous books, recordings, and even in movies. In fact, Mary is more widely respected now than she was at the peak of her popularity because now yeah. she's kind of, from like an anthropological standpoint, very interesting. Right, because she was a she recorded things that she was experiencing. Yeah, and she's like, yeah. she's a authoritative source on a underrepresented disadvantaged group, which would have been like 1930s French Canadian unemployed women. Like those people don't write to newspapers. Those people don't like write books. So like, this is a really excellent way to understand that sect of society. Um, In addition to that, her musical style, which was very natural unsophisticated and unrehearsed was her own and yeah super unique yeah from a musical standpoint she's also very interesting 
She remained true to her French-Irish song heritage, despite criticism from many who found her song lyrics to be vulgar uh, Mm. and her French to be ungrammatical and mispronounced, which I relate to heavily. (laughs) (laughs) And her tunes to be unpolished and repetitive. So they find that very, like, blasé music, but she doesn't really change for anybody. She's awesome. Yeah. And despite her fame, Mary was at heart a very traditional woman who saw her most important role as that of a wife and a mother. And a mother. In the roughly 100 songs she left behind, she also gave birth to something equally important and lasting, modern Quebec folk music. As the unofficial poet laureate of her people, this queen of Canadian folk singers gave the working men and women of Quebec their voice in song. And that's what she's known. Her her nickname is the queen of Canadian folk music. Oh! Which is so cute. (laughs) I love her. And of course... There was a postage stamp released on what would have been yes. her 100th birthday. Yes, so. girl, get it. <laughs> she, you deserve that stamp. Yes. Well, she's made it. She's fine. Yeah, that's, that's the story of Madame Balduc. Oh, I loved that. I had no idea. She's so cool. She's super cool. Like, this is... She's like my RBG now. I want her on a shirt <laughs> with the crown. Top with ladies. Balduc underneath. Yeah, she was like the badass lady I was not expecting. Not at like, all. Like there's some of the, like we've done like Elsie McGilvery and Jenny Trout. Yeah. And I think they're very Nellie McClung. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're great because they challenge gender roles and they yeah. do it so like defiantly. But I think for Mary, like she's equally as rebellious, but she doesn't like characterize herself that way. She's very like I think there's something very modest, modest. Yeah. That's like, yeah, yeah. Like very humble and modest about humble. like, yeah, I'm not yeah. trying to make a political statement, but if what I'm doing is like upsetting you and scaring you, I don't give a shit because I'm just I have singing to take my care songs. of my family. I'm yeah. playing my spoons. I'm playing my spoons, my jaws harp and my accordion. And that's, that's it. That's all and then I'm going to go out and I'm going to cut some wood. Yeah, I can always go back to the lumberjack camp. Like that's no big deal. Also, like (laughs) you know, of all of the people we have covered, I think she's up there for like could survive on a deserted island. Oh yeah, I'd pick her. Her Tommy Prince, like oh yeah, they would they would Penfield just in case I got injured or lonely. (laughs) That would be a fun like if you could only take three people (gasps) from Heritage Minutes with you to a desert island. Who would you take? That's a fun game. Maybe we should set that up on Instagram or something. Yeah, we can. Yeah, maybe on our before Christmas break. Yeah, we could play a Heritage Minute Survivor. Yeah, I like that. (laughs) Before we do our traditional sign off, I just want to talk about two important events that happened in Canadian history. Uh, On December 6th, both the Halifax explosion uh, occurred and the Ecole de Polytech Uh, massacre happened as well and so we have made a couple posts about those on our Instagram and Facebook and we just want to remember all of the lives lost in those two tragic events Thank you again for listening, everybody, to yet another episode of the Minute Women podcast. I hope you enjoyed this one as much as I did. Uh, This lady, Mary, super friggin' cool. Uh, Badass lady. Uh, So, yeah, if you're not already following us on all of our social media channels, I hope you'll check out our Instagram and Facebook, which are at Minute Women Podcast. And then we're also on Twitter at The Minute Women. We also have a website that has all of our episodes on it, as well as all of the uh, research materials and sources for each episode and some extra info about Grace and I. So you can check that out at www.minutewomen.ca. And make sure you subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you listen to us on. If you can leave us a rating or if you can leave us a review, that is the best way to support the podcast right now. So make sure you do that and make sure that you share with all your friends the Minute Women podcast. Um, Also, this past week, we were on the Rivaling Queen podcast. So if you need some 
extra minutes with the minute women, you can go over yeah. to rivaling queen podcast. They're on all major platforms. They also have a YouTube channel and they have a YouTube version of that recording. So you can see our lovely faces in zoom, uh, while we talk about all kinds of stuff. We talked about our favorite like Canadian history tidbits that Canadian are not food, minutes. favorite Canadian moments. It was a lot. Yep. If you're looking for some more girl power content, go over <laughs> and check that out. Uh, the links are also posted on our Instagram and on our Facebook. Yeah. And we got to play what are the anagrams? Queen. Oh, Queenie Grams. Queenie Grams. There we go. Yeah. And that super was super fun. fun. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, make sure you go check them out and like follow them on Instagram and stuff too. Cause yeah. they're awesome. Sarah and Ashley. Ashley from yeah. Ashley and Sarah are super cool. Yeah. Bye everyone. Bye.